Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read two verses, verse number 3 and verse number 4. As I said Sunday night, I want to talk to you tonight on, scratch me where I itch, but not too deep. Scratch me where I itch, but not too deep. I think uh, there are some truths that we need to hear and learn from this passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter two, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. By the way, the word itch is only found one time in the Bible. There's another time it's used, but it's itching. And uh, just two times, as far as I know, according to my concordance. But if you find some more, that'll be all right. Okay, verses 3 and 4, Paul has been talking in chapter 3 about things that would occur in the last days, perilous times, men loving themselves, uh, men being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then he turns to this young preacher, Timothy, and he talks to him as uh, charging him to be, uh, charging him uh, to uh, be a faithful preacher. Verse 2, he says, Timothy, preach the word, be in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, so forth. Now verse 3 and 4, he says, for the time will come, Timothy, it's coming whether we like it or not, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, that is their own desire, their own cravings, will after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. While scratching someone back in the family circle, have you ever heard them say, oh boy, that just feels so good. And then all of a sudden they say, hey, you're scratching too deep. That hurts. Well, I think that's the thought that I want us to consider here tonight. Everybody likes their back to be scratched gently, but boy, when you bear down and fingernails uh, uh, go into the skin, uh, that's another story altogether. In the dictionary, you'll find that a second definition of the word itch is uh, to have a desire or longing, that is to crave something. It is defined as well as a restless desire or yearning. So Paul is talking about this restless desire, this yearning that folks have, this craving, this uh, desire and longing uh, that they have. Now in the text that we have read, Paul gives, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, a twofold warning. He warns, first of all, the preacher, and then he warns the people, a twofold warning. There's an old saying that goes like this, and you'll, you'll remember it, and maybe it's not a saying, you've heard it though, and that is, if you'll scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Everybody's heard that. And that's what Paul is going to talk to Timothy about now. He is saying, Timothy, the day is going to come for sure that people will want teachers who will give them what they desire to hear. Not necessarily what they need, but what they're craving to hear, what they're yearning to hear. Something that'll make them feel better and feel good. 
And yet at the same time, these are wanting that will go out keeping or gathering, accumulating teachers to themselves who also have itching ears. Now that refers to the cravings that a person has that they really want to hear. Now this kind of false teacher that Paul talks about here is one who is itching for applause. Oh, he wants the pat on the back. He wants to be considered one of the boys. He he doesn't want to be known as a fellow who is an agitator and stirs people up and folks get under conviction. Uh, They want this kind of a fellow who will, as I often say, spray a little toilet water on them and make them go home smelling better and feeling better. And Paul said, Timothy, I warn you about that. There's going to be always that kind of folks out there who don't want to hear anything as far as the truth of the word. They just want you to kind of pat them on the back, give them a little cold cream and powder puff, even though they do have cancer, just kind of put some powder on it, cold cream, and hope everything will be all right. Well, this wasn't the first time in man's history that that occurs. You'll find that it, it very subtly arises and appears very often in the history of man on this earth. Isaiah the prophet was well aware of it when he wrote to the people of Israel and he said in chapter 30 of Isaiah, verse 9 and 10, Isaiah 30, verse 9 and 10, and he said this, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and they say to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Can you believe that a man can ever get to the place where he doesn't really want to hear the truth? Well, I'm here to tell you you can. And that's exactly what Isaiah's aware of. These people are saying, hey, give us some smooth kind. You know that butter kind, that uh, soft, that's kind that'll just, you know, uh, it'll make us feel good. And, and uh, maybe in scratch here and there, but just don't go too deep with this scratching thing. Else that'll begin to give us great pain. Dr. Kenneth Weiss, who is, the, who is in heaven now and yet was a renowned Bible teacher at Moody Bible Institute. He was a professor of Greek New Testament and perhaps one of the uh, most uh, knowledgeable men of the original language. And, and Dr. Weiss gave a free translation of these, three, of these two verses that I've read to you from 2 Timothy. And what we call a free translation is this. It is just, it is just giving as much as possible the different colors of the rainbow of the meaning of these words. And listen very carefully. I'm going to read to you his free translation of verse 3 and 4. And he says it like this, for the time will come when they will not endure our wholesome doctrine in that they will hold themselves firm against it, but dominated by their own personal cravings, they having ears that desire merely to be gratified, gather to themselves an accumulation of teachers. In fact, from the truth They shall avert the ear, and as a result, they shall receive a moral twist which will cause them to believe that which is fictitious. Now, that's just another rendering of what Paul has said here in the verses that we have read. 
And yet all of this brings to my mind uh, what Paul also wrote to the Thessalonians when he wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11. And he talked about that day when men would live under the rule of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And he said because they would not believe the truth, God would send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie and be damned. You see, folks, it's a very it's a very treacherous, dangerous thing when we hear the truth and are unwilling to hear it, receive it, and apply it. It is possible for the heart to have such a twist in it as 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 Mr. Weiss rendered to us here, uh, such a moral twist that we no longer have any receptivity for truth, but we're listening to the lie that Satan pumps in and therefore there comes a a terrible, terrible destruction and damnation. So today, we want all of the things that we want to hear, we want to hear those. We want our itch scratched, but we don't want the preacher to scratch too deep just enough to satisfy the craving, the thing we really want to hear. Now, I want you to just look at a few instances. First of all, men love to hear the truth and the message and the word of peace. I mean, all over the world, people want to hear that. Uh, uh, Folks want to hear that on a personal level. We want to hear that in our family service. We want to hear that in the marriage. We want to hear that in the church. Peace. And the preacher can get up and he can talk about peace and, and indeed uh, our Lord uh, ha- has promised us that. And our soul we find uh, desires that quietness that peace implies. Our mind yearns and craves uh, for tranquility. Our very being uh, desires a freedom uh, from disturbance and from agitation uh, of mind and heart. We long uh, for calmness and for repose. And when we hear the preacher talking about the very possibility of that, oh, that's somehow, that's like scratching the back easily. We want to hear that. Indeed, our Lord does want us to know and experience peace. And uh, we can delight in what you find in the Bible about it. For example, in Psalm 119, verse 165, the Bible talks about great peace. Great peace, that is, abounding, sufficient overflowing peace. And we hear the Bible talk about that and the preacher tells us that God has promised us great peace and our heart said, boy, I like that. Oh, I want to hear that. That's, that's what I'm longing for, this peace down in my heart and in my soul and in my mind. And then again, I hear Isaiah in chapter 26 and verse three. Isaiah talk, calls this peace that God offers perfect peace. Perfect peace. Now, most of us enjoy peace, but can we really say we have a perfect peace? Now, the Lord has indeed, as I said, promised us that. When Jesus talked to his disciples, you remember what he said? Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. In Psalm 29 and verse 11, we love to hear this. The verse says, the Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, we like to hear that, don't we? Now we say, tell me about peace, but don't go too deep and tell me how I can experience that peace. Just talk to me about peace, but don't explain to me how that comes. That's where it begins to hurt. 
Now, I want you to go back to Psalm 119, verse 65, and you're going to find that verse that I referred to that talks about great peace. That verse says this, great peace have they which love thy law. Now, as a preacher, talk to him about great peace, but hey, wait a minute. That love the law, that love God's word, that love these commands that are forbidding many of the things that my old lustful, sinful, depraved nature desires, that's exactly right. If you want to have great peace, I want to tell you out of heaven, you have to fall in love with the law of the Lord, with the word of God. And yet there are so many people wanting peace and they'll go over here, they'll listen to the world, they'll listen to the secular psychologists, they'll listen to everybody and say, this is the way you have peace and still they have none on the inside. And the Lord just simply saying, if you love the law, if you love my word, then that can result in great peace in your life. Go down to Isaiah 26 and verse three. I referred that to you a moment ago where Isaiah talks about perfect peace. He says this, remember this, thou will keep him in perfect peace. Here's the rub, whose mind is stayed, centered, zeroed in, focused on him. Now, a lot of folks want this perfect peace, but they got their minds everywhere else. They go a whole week, seldom ever think of God. They go a whole day, seldom ever think of the Lord. Never talk to him, never pick up his word. And then they wonder, what in the world's wrong with me? So world come along and said, if you want peace, come on, we've got it for you. Smoke a little pot, take some dope, drink a little booze, go out and have a fling. Boy, that's it. You'll just have, you'll have that perfect peace you're looking for. And the world's got all kind of sick substitutes. But you see, the only way a man can have perfect peace in his heart is in spite of the turmoil, the adversities of life, the conflicts of life, the trials of life is to keep his mind stayed on the Lord. How many of us really have as the central focus of our life, the Lord in our work, our life? Are we living our life that it may please him? Are we focusing on him? The decisions we make, are we deciding on the basis of what the Lord would have for us? Or is it just something else? We go out, plunge into it, no real peace in our heart. Simply we've left the Lord out of our thinking. There's another passage I think we need to look at and that is found in the book of, uh, of Deuteronomy chapter 29. Let me ask you to look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 29. This passage talks about peace, but it also, uh, also not only tickles our fancy to hear about peace, but it'll also tell us how that peace can be experienced. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Read this. This comes from the Old Testament and we'll begin down, let's see, at verse 18. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 18. Listen to these words. And the Lord's servant is talking to Israel about the Palestinian covenant. And he says, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe, watch, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall, bitterness, and wormwood. And it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he bless himself in his heart. Now watch it. That he bless himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace. Though I walk in the imagination of mine heart to add drunkenness to thirst. 
And here's a fellow said, I don't care what God said. I'm going to have peace anyhow. If I want to drink my booze, kick my heels up, shindig all night long, live it up, follow the world's philosophy, I'm going to have peace. Yeah, just keep trying. But it's not there, is it? So the whole thing is, men want this peace and they like to hear about it, but all hide hurts when we get in the word of God and we find out how that peace is to be experienced. Now, you know why it hurts so? We're so self-centered. We got our own way. We're going to do our own thing. I don't have time for God. I don't care what you want, Lord. And I'm determined I'm going to do what I want to do and still I'm going to have peace. And millions upon millions are still trying to do that right now. In the book of Leviticus, let me share another passage with you. Chapter 26 of Leviticus, verse 3. The verse reads like this. Leviticus 26, verse 3. I'll give you time to find it if you'd like. And the verse says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. Now he promises several things in verse 4 and 5. But I want you to look down to verse 6. This is included. And I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. If you do what? If you walk in my statutes. If you keep my commandments and do them. In other words, here's the avenue of peace. Men want peace, but hey, keep the Lord's statutes. Obey his commands Walk in his law. Oh, no, I got another plan. Go ahead. There'll be no peace. The prophet Isaiah said, there is, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. That is the man who just snubs his nose at God, flaunts the word of God. The Lord said, no peace there. I can, I can have a momentary artificial peace, but no lasting peace. And then there's a verse in Psalm 37, verse 37. Just jot this down. Let me read it to you. Psalm 37, verse 7, and the latter part of that verse says, Behold, the upright, for the end of that man is peace. The man who walks uprightly. The person, that is, who walks upright in relation to the Word of God. He is like a plumb line. He's not bending away from, but he's saying, the man who walks upright, the end of that fellow, the end of that man is peace. And then there's another similar passage in Isaiah 32, verse 17, I've jotted here. And it simply says this, listen. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. The work of righteousness. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. How blessed. One other, Isaiah 48, jot it down in verse 18. Isaiah 48 and verse 18, and the verse says this, Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river. So you see, many a man and woman wants real peace in his life, but he, he wants that peace without walking in accord with the word of God. Now, when you walk hard of the word, I guarantee you there's no peace, no peace. And yet I need to remind you, I think, of a passage in Romans 8 where Paul says in Romans 6, to be spiritually minded is peace. To be spiritually minded is peace. Your mind said to the Lord, your heart and mind filled with the truths of God's word. All right, the result is peace. 
So the world likes to hear about peace, but all oh, it hurts when we hear from the Bible what the Lord requires if we are to experience that peace. Again then, the world likes to hear the preacher talk about happiness, pleasure. And indeed, the Bible and God himself is not opposed to pleasure. He is just opposed to the kind of pleasure that destroys and leaves one empty and leaves one scarred and empty and ruined in his life. Ah, but the Lord has the secret for even pleasure or happiness. Remember the verse in the book of Psalm 16, verse 11? In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, God wants us to have pleasure, happiness, joy. But that joy and happiness that men seek for is found only in him. And yet I think we're consumed today. We're obsessed with the idea. Uh, well, and, and I had, a, I had somebody tell me the other day, I was counseling with a, a man who's not even from our county here. And uh, he was he's getting ready to leave his wife and family. And he said, well, I, I'm just not happy. And I said, are you a Christian? You know you're saved? Yes, sir. He said, I'm saved. And I said, you seem to be too, more, too, much, too, too, far, too concerned, more concerned about happiness than your holiness. You see, happiness is the byproduct of holiness, holy living in accord with the word of God. Yield him. Happiness, I've said often, I'm just had a way of slipping up on the backside. It just comes around when you walk with the Lord. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. Look in Psalm again, Psalm, the very first Psalm. You'll remember this, perhaps without even turning there. But in Psalm 1, the Bible talks about the happy man. And that's the word blessed. You remember this? Blessed, that is happy, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't walk in the counsel, the advice, the philosophy, the psychology of a world that is godless. And yet how many of us do? We follow Hollywood instead of the Holy Word. Uh, we follow what the stars are doing instead of what the scripture says. And yet we're robbing ourselves of the real blessedness, the happiness that God wants us to have. Blessed is the man that walketh on the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But what? But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's happiness. There's real joy. And the devil pops so many counterfeits on people. Listen, it's pitiful. So then we look after pleasure. We like the preacher to tell us, oh yes, God wants you to be happy. But all oh, it hurts when he begins to tell us how that happiness is to be experienced. In Proverbs 28 and verse 14, there's a verse that reads like this. Happy is the man that feareth always. That is, that reverences God, that respects God, that bows before God and his word. But listen, the latter part of that verse. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Trouble's coming. Harden your heart, plug your ears up, refuse to hear what God says. I guarantee you, the, the, the disaster awaits. And then, I think of prosperity. People like the preacher to kind of scratch them on the back when it comes to prosperity. We like to be told indeed that the Lord's going to prosper us and pay all of our bills and all of this, you know. There's a verse in Psalm 35, verse 27, 
that men like to hear. And it's a wonderful verse for it says, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And somebody said, hallelujah, boy, the Lord has pleasure in my prosperity and God wants me to prosper. Yes, he does. And we like, for the, we like the preacher to scratch us real gently on that. But oh, how it hurts when we learn how that prosperity comes. Look in Joshua chapter one, verse seven and eight. You'll know this verse. Joshua chapter one, verse seven and eight. I'm having you do a lot of flipping and turning tonight, aren't I? But uh, I want to see it for yourself. Joshua chapter one, verse seven and eight. And it reads like this. Only be thou strong, very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Go straight down the line. That thou mayest what? Prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Meditate in his law day and night. Observe to do all that he's commanded. You see, you see how all of God's blessings, even when we talk about peace, when we talk about pleasure, when we talk about prosperity, has such a connection and relationship with God and his word. God in his rightful place, his word honored in the life obeyed, reverenced in our lives. And every time you and I as a believer, and I know this from personal experience, when I go contrary to the word of God, listen, I lose peace. I don't have it. I, I fail in my life when I'm going contrary to him. I'm, I do not succeed in the ventures that I would, I, I would uh, embark upon. There's a verse also I've referred you to uh, uh, in Proverbs 28, I read you verse 14. I want you to back up over there and read verse number 13. Proverbs chapter 28, 28 of Proverbs and uh, look at verse number 13. And here's what it says, 28 verse 13. I'll find it here in just a minute. Here we are, listen closely. Chapter 28 verse 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You see what he's saying? He's simply saying, if you want real prosperity, uh, it can't come from God's hand as long as you've got unconfessed sin in your life. Trying to cover it up, you'll, ne you'll never have the blessing of God like that. And yet we go on and on thinking, hey, don't make a difference. I'm on a boy, I'm going to succeed. And I said, no, God said you're a failure. So prosperity comes out. And then back over here in Psalm uh, that we read, in Psalm 1, down at verse 3 that we did not read, he said, uh, he'll be like a tree planted by the river of water. And whatever his, whatever his hands touch, he's going to succeed. He's going to prosper. Uh, whatever his hands touch, that's what it is. He's not walking in the way of the ungodly. He, he's not walking in the way of, standing in the way of sinners. He is uh, meditating in the law of the Lord day and night. And the Lord said, hey, that's the way for prosperity. And then I think of pardon. Oh, who is there among us that doesn't like to hear a message on forgiveness? Pardon of our sin. We all are sensitive and aware, if we're honest, of sin in our life. And how good and encouraging it is when the preacher talks to us about forgiveness. We delight in such truths as you find in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 9. 
where the verse says, to the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Oh, it's encouraging, isn't it? And ah, as sinful as you are, we just want to back up and say, Lord, scratch my back right there. Oh, the burden of my sin, the burning of my sin. Ah, to know that mercy belongs to you and, and forgiveness is, you, uh, is from you. Even though we've rebelled against you, yet you'll forgive us. Now, like Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. We need to hear that too, don't we? The Bible talks about it. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Preacher, scratch me on this forgiveness thing. I need it. I need forgiveness. Tell me about it. Assure me that God's going to forgive me and uh, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to do that, but I'm going I'm to stick my fingernails in pretty deep now. And look what he says. Chapter 18 of Matthew and verse number 21 through 35. I'll not read, but verse 35. This is the story Jesus gave of a man who uh, had a great indebtedness to another. And uh, in fact, he owed him at verse 24, 10,000 talents, which comes out, someone said, to $263 million. I don't know how he got the loan to start with. But anyway, he owes, whether it's that amount in, in American dollars or not, I don't know, but a great amount. And so uh, the fellow said, I don't have it. I can't pay it. The man then said, I'll forgive you. The debt settled. But the same fellow's forgiven goes around another fellow owed him, owed him 100 pence, which in American dollars, a fellow said, it comes to about $7.50. Forgiven of a million dollar debt. And now he walks away free, forgiven. The debt's canceled. And here's a man over here and he's loaned $7 and a half to, and that guy goes over to him immediately and said, hey, Pay up, buddy. You owe me $7.50. And the man said, hey, I hadn't got it. I hadn't got it. But if you'll just give me time, I'll pay you. And the fellow grabbed him by the throat and threw him into the prison. Ah, when the man learned of that, listen, when the man who had forgiven the fellow such a great debt learned of that, oh, what great wrath was, was stirred within him. Let's back up to verse 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Listen to this. So likewise, Jesus said, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. Boy, the fingernails dig in there, don't they? Oh, scratch my back, Lord, about forgiveness. But the Lord said, yes, I'll forgive you. But if your heart is not in the frame that you can forgive people who have, have sinned against you and wronged you and insulted you and, and, and hurt you, listen, you need not expect you'll be able to receive forgiveness from God. You need to get your heart right. You need to repent of that sin yourself if you want to know my forgiveness. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, that's digging in pretty deep. If that's not enough, look to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26. And the similar theme is born out here. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26. Therefore, Jesus said, I say, I say to you, what things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. 
that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. See, an unforgiving heart that we have against someone else just blocks the, I mean, it blocks the way. It stops the channel. God wants to forgive, but our doors closed. We're not going to forgive them. God said, hey, I can't do a thing till you get that out of your way. But he said, verse 26, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. One other, look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Luke 6 and verse 37. And the verse says it like this. Again, emphasizing what we've said. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Now that's tough, isn't it? Oh, we like to hear about God forgiving us. But the Lord said, if you want my forgiveness, you're going to have to get some things straightened out. You're going to, you're going to get rid of that old grudge, that unforgiveness, that hatred, that bitterness that's in your own heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, David said, the Lord will not hear me. And until we've come to a place where we're willing to forgive others, our heart's in no condition to receive forgiveness from God. And finally, I'll close with this. It's 8 o'clock now. We like to hear the preacher talk about paradise, don't we? Oh, we like to read in the Bible about heaven. We like to read in Revelation 21, verse 4 and 5, of a place where there'll be no tears, no sorrow, no death. Oh, none of those things, the former things are passed away. And oh, we can just rejoice over that. And anybody likes to hear that, even an old unconverting man out on the street, an unsaved fella. Listen, if he's in his right mind, he wants to go to heaven instead of hell. Uh, he wants to know a place where there's no tears and sorrows and disappointment. And oh, how we love to hear when Jesus talks in John chapter 14 and said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And people say, preacher, scratch right there. Oh, that just feels so good. And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father to this heaven. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that's when many a fellow said, oh, that's just too hard. They'll say, hey, one way is as good to heaven as the other. Jesus said, I am the way. I mean, that's pretty narrow, isn't it? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life. And the world don't like that. The world likes to hear you talk about peace, but they want to hear you talk about how to have that. The world wants you to talk about prosperity, but they don't want you to talk about how God said you have it. They, uh, the world wants to talk about pardon and forgiveness and this old weight and guilt that I drag around behind me like a ball and chain. I want that off of me. But the Lord said, yes, I'll forgive you. But you've got to confess your sin. And if you will, I'll forgive you. Oh, if you've got sin hanging on to you, hanging on to you uh, something between you and your brother, God said, get it out. And he said, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. Oh, we don't like to hear that. Scratch me where I itch, but not too deep, because that hurts. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there's no way to paradise to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said it in plainer words in John chapter 3 and verse 3, and he said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's simple. That's plain. God help us to be willing 
to face and to accept God's very truth when it comes to how these things can be experienced in our life. Let's pray together. While our heads are bowed for a moment, I feel like I need to ask you something. Is there someone here tonight to say, Brother Walter, listen, I, I don't really have that peace in my heart. And I believe exactly what you've shown us tonight that one of the reasons I don't have that peace, I have no real love in my heart for God's word. Uh, I want real peace, but I hadn't come to the peace giver and the peacemaker, the Prince of Peace. Maybe you've been trying to develop that peace without really honoring him and his word. And if there's some area of your life that you're going contrary to his word, would you tonight just lay that out before the Lord and ask the Lord, listen, and listen, you don't even have to ask you to give the peace. If you straighten things out between you and the word that you've got a conflict with, God can give you peace in your heart. And maybe somebody here tonight saying, oh, I've, I just, I, I know I, I need God's forgiveness. And yet you hang on to things, you're unwilling to forgive others. Maybe a friend, a neighbor, a child, a husband, a wife, somebody you work with. They hurt you terribly. And yet you've been hanging on to that. Why don't you just willingly tonight say, Lord, by, by your grace, I want to forgive them. And I do. And I ask you to forgive me. Peace can flood your heart. Maybe you haven't succeeded in your life as you've tried to serve the Lord. Could it be, could it be that you haven't honored his word in your life? Is, does God have a controversy with you? Oh, he wants us to have these things. But there are some things that he'd have us to comply with. I wonder if somebody here tonight say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart and I want things clear between me and the Lord. Pray with me and for me. If so, would you lift your hand? Take it right down. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Now you can go on and say like that fellow did I read you about, said, well, I'm going to have peace. You go on your drunkenness. I'm going to have it. Yeah, you'll never have it. God himself, the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he's the one who distributes that. Is there someone else say, Brother uh, Walter, there's something in my life God dealing me about? And I want you to pray with me that God will help me to have the victory over that in my life. If so, just slip your hand up. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anywhere else? Just between you and me and the Lord. Anywhere else? God bless you. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? Now, Heavenly Father, uh, often, Lord, deep in our hearts, men have a longing for peace and even we have a longing for it. Oftentimes, we won't even admit it. We struggle along and drag along. Yet, Lord, you want to give that to us so much and how unwilling we are to comply with what you've told us in the, in the Word. Lord, break down our stubborn wills and help us to walk humbly and submissively before you. Now, Lord Jesus, bless our folks here tonight that have indicated by an uplifted hand a need in their own heart. Father, you know all about that. And Lord, I just ask that you would give the courage and the grace that they shall let the Holy Spirit deal with them in that area. And Lord, you'd help them to let you have your way. Help them know, Lord, you're not out to hurt us, nor to harm us, but out to do us good and to bless us 
to give us those things that we yearn for. Now, Father, we pray that you, as we leave this place tonight, that we'll go walking in accord to your will and out through the remainder of this week, inviting others to come in and share with us this blessed fellowship, sharing with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those, Lord, who have been witnessed to by our folks already this week, give, give victory in those areas of witness and may they have the joy of leading their friends to Christ. And Father, we pray for our youth rally Friday night. Lord, may it be a great time of ingathering and blessing and time of fellowship as well as a good time of fun and refreshment. Bless Brother Zockel as he comes. Thank you for this man, dedicated, yielded, surrendered to you. And then as he shares with our adults and our leaders on Saturday morning here, oh, give us insight and may there come as a result of it great fruit. And then, Father, for our homecoming activities Sunday, Bless Brother Roland as he comes and the singers and uh, others of our folks will be blessing us with song and the preached word. Just give us a great day and encourage us and send us out to be faithful, effective servants for Jesus. And we'll thank you in the Savior's dear name we pray. Amen.